You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show today. I hope everybody out there is staying warm. If you are listening to this on the day that it drops, on Monday, it is most likely really really cold wherever you're listening to this uh my goodness these are temperatures that we are not used to seeing in oklahoma and they are blowing me away quite literally um man it is uh it's a mess out there i hope everybody listening to this is staying safe stay off the roads if you can there's been so many accidents already and uh and it's still not over so Please, please, please be safe if you have to get out and about, and uh, yeah, just try to stay in if possible because it is disgusting out there. Real quick before we get into the main show, uh, I wanted to follow up with something we talked about last week. Uh, I told you guys that if I could get that one bedding area cut in, that my weekend would be considered a success, and I'm here to tell you guys I was a big old failure. <laughs> I, uh, they put a little chance of rain in on Saturday. And uh, I went to bed Friday night thinking I was going to get up and, and get to work. And, you know, I thought it might drizzle a little bit maybe, but I was really hoping that it wouldn't do anything. And I woke up on Saturday and it was already raining and it didn't stop raining till about 1 o'clock. And so we got way more rain than uh, than I was thinking we would. And I guess I'm just a wuss. I didn't feel like getting out in the in the wet, cold weather and running a chainsaw. But anyway, so... Didn't get any work done last weekend, but, you know, I got more weekends coming up. I got plenty of time till deer season, so still going to get it done, but I did not get it done last weekend. So I don't want to waste too much time with uh, any other updates because we have a fantastic show today. Today we talked with Dusty Keener of DNK Outfitters about all things crappie fishing. And my goodness, he did not disappoint. Uh, he does a great job of starting at the shallow end and then diving way off the deep end. You know, he gets his base uh, set up and then just takes it to the extreme. So I feel like I actually kind of failed as a host on this one because his level or his knowledge level was so much greater than mine that I was just trying to keep up. I mean, I, I was trying to I was trying to listen for my personal reasons and then also just, you know, trying to run the conversation for you guys and he blew me out of the water. And so but luckily Dusty knew what he was doing and, and he did a great job of kind of leading the conversation for me. And so it still turned out awesome. And uh yeah, I just I can't wait uh to listen to this again myself. Uh, and probably several times because there's so much in this one. And so I hope you guys are ready for it. Again, I, I don't want to talk anymore because it's so good. And we talked for quite a while. And so I want to get you guys into it. So without further ado, here is Dusty Keener of D&K Outfitters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Today I'm talking to Dusty Keener of D&K Outfitters. How you doing, Dusty? I'm doing good, John. 
Good. Good to hear that. Uh, as we're recording this, we're just starting that big winter storm that uh, by the time y'all listen to this will probably be about over, but uh, Dusty was just telling me before we started that they're getting a lot of ice in his area and it's supposed to hit us tonight, and so uh, hopefully it doesn't keep you off the water too long, Dusty. Yeah, no joke. I'll go crazy. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Well, uh, before we get uh, too far into this, I do have one very important question for you, Dusty. Before we before we kick it off, do you say crappie or crappy? Mm, I say crappie because I'm from the south. Gotcha. Okay, I so, say that too. I've been in the guide service for 12 years. I have learned 100% it's a north to south issue. Gotcha, gotcha. I've just heard a lot of people argue it, and I'm from the south also, so I've always said crappie, but I know there's some people out there that will fight you over it. So. Oh, yeah, they call them crappies. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, well, now that we got that settled, we, we can move forward. So, Dusty, why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your guide service and all that good stuff. Sure. So, DNK Guide Service got started 12 years ago, and we're basically a father and son team. Uh, we got on Lake Eufaula year-round, Crapio Bike, every single day of the year. So, in our business model, we started something a little bit different than any other guide service uh, around here and that's a no fish no pay policy so if you don't know me from Adam and I don't know you from Adam and you call and you go hey I like to go fishing this date and this date for this long and we go out and you don't catch any fish and the boat catches no fish then you don't pay awesome. which has happened on several several people have gotten my boat and told me that so and so guide they went with they didn't catch a fish and they got charged and mm. I just don't think that's right if you're not doing your job you should get paid gotcha gotcha well, I appreciate you being up front and center with that too that's that's an awesome policy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, basically um, we do probably at least 80% of our business is crappie mm-hmm. but we do offer sand bass trolling trips which are great for kids in the summertime who you know, they don't haven't fished very much in their life. You just hand them a pole, put the boat in forward gear, and a sand bass will latch onto it. <laughs> and they just they have a blast. Yeah. And we also guide for uh, for black bass as well for people who are preparing for tournaments. Or my dad and I have fished bass tournaments on you follow for a long time. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I guess I should have asked that, or you might have said it already. Uh, do y'all mostly operate on you follow, or do y'all go other places also? We do. I tell everybody, it's like I am married to you follow. I don't even <laughs> get to go anywhere else. Yeah. But you follow is so big. I mean, it's it's such a diverse lake. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 660 miles of shoreline, 102,000, you know, acres of water. I mean, that, that's just insane. Yeah. yeah. So we've got dirty water to the south, mid lake. It's it's kind of a yo-yo between just a little bit of the stain. And the north end of the lake is actually very, very clear. Very cool, very cool. Let's see, uh, I think you covered most of my introduction questions. Um, if it's all right with you, I think it's time to just jump into this, and and we talked about it, and I think the way we, we're going to go about this is we're basically going to split the year up into the four seasons, and we're going to cover basically the same type of questions and just go season by season, and uh, basically how you guys 
fish differently in the different times of year, what you're looking for, what you use, and all that good type of stuff. So if it's all right with you, I think we're going to kick things off with spring. And I'm kind of calling spring that March to May area. But, you know, if you have a definite, different, a different definition, uh, please let me know. Um, but if that's all right, all right with you, we're going to start with spring. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, John. I mean, especially with having to stay on crop a year round, or you for sure have to change your tactics and and what you're looking for, and you know, staying within in a pattern. You know, fishing's all about fishing patterns. So, so yeah, start down with the spring as far as what I'm holding in my hand. You know, what I'm using is a ten foot bone stick crappie rod with fluorocarbon, anywhere from twelve to fifteen pounds is what I use. I, I go heavy. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. uh, and I'm using a Kentucky rig. And for those people that don't know what a Kentucky rig is, basically I've got a half ounce weight on the bottom, on the very bottom. And then I've got two eight ounce jigs anywhere from four to six inches above that bottom weight. Okay. And that's, that's basically the rig I'll use until, until after, you know, until they go to the bank. Mm-hmm. And then once they come off the bank, we'll, we'll talk about that. It gets different, but. Okay. All right, so you, you discussed uh, your rig setup and stuff. Uh, so let's step back just a second. So, you know, you, you leave the dock, you're headed out on the water. Where are you going to start looking for fish this time of year in the spring? Yeah, that's a great question. So what what I'm looking for in are coves that lie east and west. And they're, they're probably on every lake in America. Mm-hmm. But the coves that lie east and west won't be bothered by a high north or south wind. Mm-hmm. And when you're fishing in the springtime in Oklahoma, buddy, the wind is going to blow 30 miles an hour to the north, and then the next day you go fishing, it's going to blow 25 miles out of the south. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just springtime, fronts moving in and out. So those coves will be protected, and another thing about a protected cove is not only is it more fishable, but your water will warm up faster. And you're, lo- you're looking for that you're looking for that even one or two degree warmer water, you know, that, that's out there in the back of those pockets. Gotcha, gotcha. Because that, that's what those fish are. They're, they're ready to get warm. Mm-hmm. And are you looking for, like, structure type stuff within those coves? Are you looking for a brush pile or just that calmer, warmer water? Just that, you know, we, I call it pre-stacking which, you know, is another word for, for pre-staging. But you got your females that are that are in those coves. You know, they're not on the bank, but they're they're in there to spawn. And and as the closer the spawn comes, more and more fish will will stack in these coves because they're getting ready for the spawn, but they're not ready to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. So on these coves, like you know, what's really important to look for as well is is your bottom, which you'll want a hard bottom in the springtime. So, you know, if you go in a, in a cove and it's just all the soft, silted mud, you know, you're probably not going to find any fish that are that are, are what I call pre-stacking or pre-staging for the spawn in that cove because the bottom's not right. Hmm. Gotcha. So uh, there's a lot to it. I mean, <laughs> you look for, when I talk about hard bottom, I'm talking about, you know, like black shell mm. and I'm talking about uh, rock. I mean, pretty pretty hard bottom yeah yeah because when they go to make their beds uh, for their spawn they they can't do it in mud so they have to have 
you know, when they're in there sanding their nest, it's got to be, it, it looks cool. It's like a little, a little bowl, you know, about mm-hmm. the size of a cup. Mm-hmm. They'll lay those eggs in. And I, I should have prefaced uh, before we started that I myself am not a crappie fisherman. I'm trying to be, which is part of the reason you're here with me. And so you're going to have to forgive some of my ignorant questions. But So this time, this you know March, April, May, would you consider that pre-spawn? Or does the spawn work into that? Um, what, what time of year does the spawn happen? No, that, that's a good question. And every year that, that's changing. Mm. Just because it seems like our weather pattern is it's like winter won't go away the last two or three years mm-hmm. but you're talking about pre-spawn periods or you know late february through the whole month of march and even probably into the first week of april mm-hmm. and then when your water temps reach anywhere from 64 to 66 you'll really keep an eye on that because that's when your fish will go to the bank gotcha and spawn mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about water temperatures and crappie fishing because they just they just goes hand in hand in and how they react and you know and, and what they do water yeah. temperatures everything in crappie fishing gotcha gotcha so sticking with this you know pre-spawn phase you talked about the fish coming into the cove but not going to the bank yet so what type of depth are you looking at this time of year that, that's another good question and, and depth in crappie fishing comes with clear water or dirty water mm-hmm so down here on the south end of Lake Eufaula, I consider it dirty water. So my, my pre-staging depth is anywhere between probably 6 to 12 foot. Mm-hmm. And depending on your barometric pressure, you know, fish will sometimes glue to the bottom on a, on a low-pressure system. And a lot of times on a high-pressure system, they'll suspend. Mm-hmm. So in those coves, I might be in 15 to 18 feet of water, but I'm only catching them 6 to 8 foot deep gotcha gotcha okay boy you're already getting into the deep stuff and i'm loving it i'm eating it up (laughs) i'm glad i don't have to take notes because i can just turn right around and listen to this again Uh, and and everybody listening can and so but uh yeah i'm I'm absolutely loving it so uh so anything else for this uh time of year or would you rather move on and kind of hit some of the more nitty-gritty at the end uh you got anything else yeah. for this time of year? Yeah, and I apologize if I go a little a little too in detail. I, I love oh, no. talking about fishing. I think fishing has just fascinated me always. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up with a pole in my hand on my grandpa's dock. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, fishing's always, it's, it's an unknown thing. So mm-hmm. that's what makes it so fun. Right, right. No, don't apologize. This is great. This is great. Um, okay, so basically we're, we've, We've got these fish lit up to the spawn. Mm-hmm. So one, you know, one huge rig change that's going to happen in the way I rig to, to go catch fish is now we're on a slip bobber. Okay. So basically, you've got a slip bobber, a bobber stopper, and when it comes to what you're using that time of year, I just use an eight ounce like a hair jig mm-hmm. because it's real tough. They can take a lot of abuse. A rubber jig you're having a good day is not going to last a couple hours mm-hmm. but what's inter- interesting about that is is when you toss that up there where they're spawning and you want to run that about eight to twelve inches deep you know sometimes even shallower than that depending on your water clarity mm-hmm. the dirtier water the shallow the cleaner water the deeper gotcha. but anyways my point is 
you know, when when they go to hit that jig, they're not hitting to feed. Mm-hmm. You know, the fi- fish don't have hands. So all they're trying to do is move it out of, out of that zone that, that it's trying to defend. And so that's it. A lot of people think they're getting a bite, but they're not getting a bite. Hmm. That fish is hitting that optic to, to move it away from their bed. Hmm. So I've always thought that was interesting. A lot of times you see your cork, you know, just barely hit, jerk, because it's, it's in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so, so the, spawn is, the spawn is an absolute blast. It, your, your males are terrible turn black. You'll notice you'll catch a fish and it'll be really white and then you'll catch a fish and it'll just be, we call it tuxedo, but <laughs> it'll just be just really dark black and that's their, t- that's their testosterone makes them really colorful. So that's another thing. A lot of people go, oh, I'm catching a black crappie. No, that, that's a white species of crappie, but his testosterone turns him black. Hmm. Awesome. Which is very, very cool. It's just nature stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we led up to the spawn. So after the spawn, what's going to happen is, is everything changes yet again. That's just crappie fishing. Mm-hmm. But after the spawn structure, that's when structure is, is so key. Gotcha. So and I, I assume we're moving into that kind of June to September time frame? No, no. This no. is probably the end of April. Okay, okay. Good. Yeah. Your water temps are now 71 to 74. Um, incubation of the eggs happens right around that temperature. So then as soon as everything is hatched, it actually runs straight to the first thing it can find to hide in or, or it can't survive. So that's why putting out brush piles is not only important, you know, so you can go out and enjoy a day of fishing, but it's actually just as much or more important to the hatch that gets to survive in the middle of that brush pile while fish literally surround it like sharks. Mm. Yeah, that's what happens. Your, your crappie are like probably... That's probably one of the best times to fish is after the spawn hmm. because your fish are just starving because they've been on the banks not eating but gardening and doing the mom and dad thing. And then it's interesting when nature works, they, as soon as they're hatched, they try to eat them. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but that's why brush piles are, are the main focus after the spawn. And that's, that, that's why you go with that, with that method. Gotcha, gotcha. And are you still uh, fishing that same jig? Uh, yes, yeah. Jigs, jigs are just hot that time of year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that uh, yeah. that's up through probably May, right? Yeah, you 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 can carry that structure um, pattern through through April. I mean that. That'll work. And then, now once your water temps, as we go through this, we'll just keep mentioning water temps. Mm-hmm. Now you get into like 75 to 80 degree water temps. So what, ha- what happens under the water is now it's all about the algae. So, and the reason it's all about the algae is you're going to have, you know, algae blooms. You're going to have zooplankton and phytoplankton, which are really, really little tiny organisms in the water you actually can't even see. But that's what the hatch and the shad are feeding on. 
that's that's how they eat much like creel to a whale mm-hmm. kind of the same same thing gotcha so while that's important is is you're following the food you're following the food chain basically mm-hmm. yep gotcha gotcha yeah i mean i guess if i go through this i'm more like i'm walking around like like science but i I guess after fishing for 12 Mm -hmm. years and I'm still learning every day I go out there, Mm -hmm. but I've based a lot of my success on water through actual fish science, not just Mm -hmm. going in a random cove or spinning behind a random dock and just catching a limit and going, all right, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it. I want to know why. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm loving it. I almost feel bad. I feel like I don't even have enough knowledge to guide you through this thing. <laughs> you know, I can talk whitetails and turkeys and all that stuff, but this stuff is new. And so, man, I'm just loving sitting back and listening to you talk. So I'm I'm just trying to kind of guide you through it a little bit. Um, I'm going to keep my mouth shut for a while. <laughs> no, no, no. So basically, um, so we'll just keep following this, this circle. I, you know, how you stay on through the years. So now... Mm-hmm. Now the fish have spawned, the hatch are under brush piles. Mm-hmm. Your brush piles, you know, I'm talking about brush piles, cement, piles of rock. Uh, you know, we call them dock poles, but the four poles on the docks that go all the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. Standing timber. All that stuff will grow algae on it when the water tends to get in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all you're chasing. In, anything that I don't care if you throw an old bathtub in the water, you know, which you're not supposed to, but <laughs> it'll grow out. There'll be fish around it. I mean, there'll be fish around a toilet if you throw mm-hmm. in the water. I mean, mm-hmm. anything that grows algae will hold bait. Bait will hold fish. Gotcha. So uh, road beds are another uh, a great thing to fish. I mean, you're all kinds of cement, all kinds of algae. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's you know, let's say it's it's midsummer now. I mean, you've worked mm-hmm. through May. Um, there's going to be a mayfly hatch going somewhere around mid-May, mm-hmm. and you know, docks in anywhere that the mayfly can die and fall in the water is is a good place to fish. Gotcha. So that's that's a little mayfly that only lasts about two weeks. Mm. I'm picturing like overhanging trees, uh, maybe creek channels where the, the trees hang over, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, that that would work too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a time of the year when you're driving in your boat, you you keep your mouth shut because <laughs> it'll actually, <laughs> well, they're everywhere. It's just it's the mayfly hatch, and when that happens, you'll want to go to a little small brown hair jig. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to. You want to mask the hat. You'll hear me say that a little bit too when I talk about shad and shad size. Mm-hmm. But you always you always want to try to use what they're eating. Right. You know, a lot of times I'll I'll clean a fish at the end of the day, which is kind of an autopsy report for me to find out. Wow, they're on small shad, or I see mayflies in their belly, and I'm like, oh, well, you want to use brown tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a real hot, t- especially if somebody's going to be in the water for multiple days. Uh, you know, that could be a, a big help right there. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Okay. 
But then after the Mayfly hatch, you're you're kind of going into the first part of summer, you know? Mm-hmm. And now you're focusing on shad spawns. Okay. Just keep in mind, when it comes to crappie fishing, and, you know, when I say follow the food, you just follow the food. Mm-hmm. And that's really all you do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a shad won't spawn just anywhere in the lake. So what you're concentrating on is is black shell or even if you can find rock that's black, that's darker, mm-hmm. your shad are going to spawn, you know, right off those rocks. So even when you're fishing, you know, you want to be fishing inches from the bottom. Gotcha, gotcha. And what kind of, so what kind of depth are you talking here? Now we're talking pretty shallow. I mean, our water temps are, you know, now in the 80 to 85 range. Mm-hmm. And you're probably in four to six foot of water all day long. Gotcha. And basically, you, you lay that pole down, you find that slack. And you just barely pick up. And you can actually just go down a natural bank, no structure at all, hmm. and catch fish during the shad spawn. Hmm. And the shad will spawn three times. On, on your full moon cycles. Gotcha. Three times per cycle or like each cycle? Uh, three times each cycle. You'll have three, you, you, you typically get three full moons. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, and so, so really right there enough, you know, five days before to probably three or four days after, you know, before the peak and after the peak is still going on. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's the shad spawn, and that's where that's where the crappie are going to be. They just they just love eating those, you know, the shad are vulnerable, kind of like they were in their spawn. Gotcha, gotcha. So they, yep, that's the pattern, and and you know to look for those shad spawn, you know, riprap. I think just about every lake in Oklahoma has a riprap, mm-hmm. and that that's one place that just shad will spawn like crazy. So that could be like a, you're talking about, like on a dam when they have all the rock piled up, or you know maybe uh, protecting a a bay where there's boat docks and that type of thing. Right, bridges. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere where anywhere you can find a bridge, a man-made bridge is going to have to have what I call riprap rock. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, that period us into like the the midsummer. And there again, now we have a, a rig change, if you would. Mm-hmm. So now we're running a, a Carolina rig. So that means the weight's on top. And you're using a little gold Aberdeen, probably like a number two or a number four size, little small gold hook. And what's cool about this rig is now you're having to use live bait. Because now your water temps are getting into 85 to 90 degree range. Mm-hmm. And your fish actually aren't as active as they have been because the hotter it gets the more the water the oxygen level dissolves so your fish are actually kind of getting more lethargic they won't move around as much they're on structure mm-hmm. but that's why i think this uh this little minnow rig works so good is the techniques called dead sticking mm-hmm. so when you're fishing a brush pile or a dock or any bridge pillar is good to hit in the summertime. But you'll actually want to hold that thing really still. You want that that big weight is above that minnow, and that minnow is actually able to swim around in little circles on that gold hook. Mm-hmm. And it, it 
when they won't hit nothing else, they'll they'll hit that gig. Now, when you're doing something like this, are you casting out at all? Are you dropping it from the boat? Uh, what what kind of? No, that that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, in any technique, you you always need to mention in dirty water, you mm-hmm. know. But all I fish is dirty water, and I never cast. Gotcha. It's always just you know vertical, straight down from the boat. Gotcha. Even when you're fishing in, in, in four foot of water, in clear water, you will cast and drag. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great technique. Mm-hmm. But I, I fish. I'm a dirty water fisherman, so. Gotcha. So I was, even if you're in four feet of water, you're just kind of basically holding your rod over the side of the boat. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. That's right, and that's what that's what's such a. It, it just you have to take somebody before they believe you, and then when <laughs> I tell you this, it's the truth, but. You know, we're talking. It's it's July, August. It's ninety five to hopefully not hundred degrees outside. I mean, it is uncomfortable hot, and we fish in two to five feet of water hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, basically, all your oxygen is at the top level of the water, and that's just because of wind. So actually, oxygen is is the thing to find in the summertime. Okay. You want to key on shade and or places that have enriched oxygen. Hmm. Awesome. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. You just fish shallow structure that you know hopefully is wind blowing or has been wind blowing the last couple of days. That way, there's uh, there's oxygen. There's a thing called a thermal climb, and in Lake Eufaula on the south end, it's typically anything below eight to nine feet has no oxygen hmm. so it pushes them all up all up high mm-hmm. now this this uh, what I'm talking about is again a dirty water pattern mm-hmm. you know you, you go to clear water you hear about people catching them deep in the summertime and it's actually it's true mm-hmm. but this is just in in dirty water you can just get mm-hmm. away with fishing just dirt shallow yeah it's, it's just so fun Gotcha. So if you're, uh, you know, if some guys listening, they have their rock bottom stock tank, you know, on their on their own place, you know, their little three acre tank that they don't necessarily need to be fishing two feet of water in the summer. I'm sure they could catch them there, but if they, you know, if they have a nice rock bottom uh, tank that's clear, you know, they may need to try those deeper ends too if they're not having any luck. That's right. That's right. And and talking about having any luck, um, I guess just the way crappie fishing goes, I've I've got a ten minute rule. So and then I, I try not to stare at my clock all the time. But if I felt like it's been a minute since we caught a fish, you know, and I look at my watch, and my dad actually taught me this. But he, you know, if, if about ten minutes has passed by and nobody's caught a fish, it's time to try something else. Whether it's a different location, different pattern, different depth. Um, that's just a good rule of thumb for crappie fishing. If I had a dollar for every time I'd fished or not caught a fish every 10 minutes, boy, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you need to go buy some gas so you can move more. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Right on. All right. So I think we've you covered. I mean? oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, and, and going into the fall, um, not a lot changes. You're, you know, then I'm using a jig minnow combination. They're hitting jigs and minnows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you'll find that fish are really, really going to pile up. So that that's probably when I'll find the largest groups of fish. I may not fish one spot, maybe two spots during that time of year. If, if you have them found. And mm-hmm. The falls kind of feast or famine. As long as you know where they're at, they're, they're all just super piled up together. Mm-hmm. Now, would, it, oh, you were talking about that spot. Was that is that a spot you'd fish multiple days in a row, or you know the next day you're going to have to find well, them again? No, that's a good question. And, and Lake Ufala, it just seems like they reload overnight. I've, I've never understood it. I don't know how I get away with it, but I can fish all week. Maybe one to two spots, same spot. Yeah. And it'll produce 60 to 80 fish a day. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you, there's a lot of places there's not fish, but mm-hmm. when you do find them, and there again, that's in docks and brush piles is the main fall pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, are you, as the water's cooling, are you slowly getting deeper and deeper, or are they still fairly shallow? That's a really good question. So what happens when the water begins to cool? When we're talking about cool to be Pacific, we're talking about the water's getting 75 to 70. You're having longer nights. You're, you know, you're maybe even pulling down into the 60s at night. So when that happens, your algae dies. Mm-hmm. So when your algae dies, you know, your brush piles, your docks, everything I mentioned that algae grows off of, you're not going to catch fish there anymore. Because once the algae dies, the food chain is broken, and those fish basically suspend and just, you know, kind of follow the, the, the shad around. Hmm. So they're still following the shad. They just don't know. They just don't know where they're going. You know, shad hmm. will live in a brush pile or live on a cement, you know, structure. But when, when the algae dies and, you know, this, the... I use the, the, the terminology that, you know, the crappie is circling them like shark, you know. Mm-hmm. But when when the algae dies, things can kind of get scattered. So that's when you want to concentrate back in your creek channels mm-hmm. to where, you know, it's not that hard to find a fish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that time of year, the main lake can probably get really tough because a fish is going to roam wherever shad's roaming, and there's not going to be a whole lot of logic behind that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, are you, st- and I mean, I, I'm assume so because you're talking about chasing shad. Are you still using a lot of live bait this time of year? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. You, you're still on a jig minnow combination. Mm-hmm. There's some days I will literally have a jig on top and a minnow on the bottom. Hmm. And on Tuesday, I caught them all on a minnow, and on Wednesday, I'll catch them all on a jig. Gotcha. So that's why I'm using both. And I yeah, assume if you're, I assume if you're only catching switch, you know, and, and that'll late fall will basically fish a lot like the wintertime. And, you know, I mentioned the creek channels. That's, that's where you're going to be successful in the wintertime. Hmm. Gotcha. And I was starting to ask, I assume if you're, you know, if you got both on, you're catching all your fish on one or the other, you'll switch them out and fish both, both hooks with the same thing. On that day, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that, we hadn't even talked about live scope, but it's <laughs> it's, it's something that is, is truly amazing. It makes fishing fun when fish aren't even biting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't need a live scope. You know, if you've 
you got a minnow on the bottom and a jig on top and you know you're not showing on the jig or the minnow i kind of show them middle and make them make a choice so if nine out of ten fish are dropping down to the minnow then it you know the, the minnows you can go ahead and put two minnows on if you want mm-hmm. but if it's rising up to a jig and dissing the minnow then it, it's a jig day is there any circumstance for any reason you would flip those? Uh, you know, if you're not catching fish, would you throw the jig on the bottom, or do you pretty much always keep the, the minnow on the bottom? I like to keep the minnow on the bottom, and there's no reason for that. Probably just habit. But going, you know, going back to live scope, if you can see that fish, you know, you can you can show it the bottom jig or show it the top fish. Mm. It, it's or you know the bottom minnow. It's basically your choice to show them which one. Gotcha. Live scope is a complete, I mean, a whole nother topic. You don't even, (laughs) it's a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. Now, are you talking about the cameras that go down? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's basically Mm -hmm. underwater live camera. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you can literally tell their head from their tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can look at them and I can tell you that's his head and that's his tail and that's the way he's swimming. Mm -hmm. I bet you there's some old timers listening to this going, golly, and shaking their heads. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I am a little bit. I mean, I'm not old, but uh, but I. That's the type of stuff that you know you. That's, that's the type of stuff you dream about as a little kid when you're not catching any fish, and you think, I just wish I had a camera I could just send down there and see where they're at. I know, I know. I'll never forget my son telling me not just three or four years ago that it was going to happen. And I just kind of looked at him smirked, like, you know, we're fishing off 2D graphs and, mm-hmm. you know, 2018, I'm still fishing off 2D sonar. Like, I'm not going to go from 2D sonar to looking at the live camera, but he was right. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, I feel like I distracted us right there. Um, so we're in winter time. Anything else with that time of year? Yes, um, I mean, if I'm just, if I'm just giving out free advice, I, I would I would tell everybody out there listening, um, the biggest thing in the wintertime is so important to fish slow. You have to fish slow. Um, you, you can have great trips in the winter. You can absolutely catch. That's the time of the year where you're going to catch the biggest fish, you know, I mean, all, all day long, that's trophy season. Hmm. You may not catch as many, but they're going to be the right ones. Mm-hmm. But you just got to go out there with, you know, with what they call a, a PMA, which is positive mental attitude. Mm-hmm. And you just got to put your head down and just fish real slow. And are you still cool. kind of holding by your 10-minute rule there? Or is that, you know, will you stretch it out a little longer in the wintertime? Yeah, that that's a good point. No, you're, by that time of year, um, I get to talk about, you know, metabolic rate, something I haven't talked a whole lot about, but... When you follow that water temp crappie chart, you know, in the summertime, water temps in the 90s, they're, they're pretty lethargic, they're not moving. In the wintertime, when your water temps are, you know, upper 30s to probably 45, 48, your fish are there again, very lethargic. So you have to fish slow, and you have to fish patient, and, and you'll, you'll catch them. But yeah, the ten minute rule is definitely extended, you know, in, in wintertime fishing. Gotcha, gotcha. 
right. Um, anything else to kind of close that little gap from from winter to spring? Uh, we kind of started off in spring. Is there anything different for that, you know, maybe February time frame or early January? Yeah, no, that, um, that's a good question, too. I mean, you're getting the winter time and things are really starting to warm up. And the trees are starting to bud. And, and a lot of fish, that's when they're going to make a big move to, you know, we're, to spawn. So another really cool thing about a crappie is a crappie will actually go back to where it was where it was born. Hmm, just like a salmon, huh? Right. I don't care if some fish might live a mile or two their whole entire life from where they spawn. Some fish will live upwards to they've tracked them to fifteen to twenty five miles. So that time of year, a fish makes a makes a move back to where it was born. Hmm. So that's really cool. And then just another little fun fact about crappie is. A lot of people don't realize how um, how short a lifespan they have. So the, the lifespan of a crappie is around here is about five years. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, and then actually north of, you know, when you're using Kansas and, and as you go north, they might live seven to ten years. Gotcha. But uh, down here in the south, that's, that's about as long as they live. The hot water stresses them out. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty short lifespan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's very interesting. And very in- interesting that uh, they live shorter in the south. But I guess it makes sense. When you, you know, you're talking about there not being as much oxygen in the water when it gets hot. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it just wears yeah. them down. Okay. Wow, wow, man, that was a uh, that was a college course right there. <laughs> um, and if you don't mind, I, I got a few more questions I'd like to ask. I, you know, that kind of wraps up our year. Um, but I got a few things down here at the bottom of my list. Uh, one thing I really want to hit on is jig color. And I'm sure you could go on a, a tangent about this, but, um, you know, if you, if you watch crappie fishing or, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, you know, if you read or watch crappie fishing, you know, you're going to hear about all these colors and when you... When you look at that aisle at, uh, you know, Walmart or Bass Pro, wherever you're at, there's a thousand different colors. And, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that colors can make a difference. But do they do they actually mean anything? You know, is are you trying to match the color to the water temperature, the vis- visibility of the water? Just just give me a little quick little rundown about color. I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I I swear, a, a color of a jig, and his analogy is like women the jewelry. And, and please, women, don't don't take that offensive. That in your shoes, too. Uh, our fishermen, we're the same way. Mm-hmm. We have to have a green one and a pink one and a brown one. And, and it, it's a very, very controversial. I mean, it's so circumstantial. Um, I'll just be honest with you. I haven't got that figured out yet. Mm. I haven't. I've seen it too many different ways for, you know, and, and one of the biggest, you know, this is just my opinion, but let's say you're catching them on pink and black really good and your buddy's using, you know, chartreuse and black and, you know, he switches to black and pink because you may have caught the first two or three fish on black, on black and pink and you just tear them up that day. You're never going to change your bait. Mm. 
you know, you're not going to be whipping them on black and pink and just rip that off and put orange and chartreuse on and go, hey, I'm going to see if this works too. And I think when people talk about color, you know, that that's the biggest myth for me. If you're using something, you're not going to take it off. You're going to keep using it. And somebody asks you what they're hitting on, you're going to tell them black and pink. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. Why? Yeah, uh, why? And I think there are circumstances in clear water where color would matter more. Um, my opinion in dark water is it's more of a shadow issue. So I would say, you know, I would say shape and size would probably trump color hmm. because your water's so dark they can't really see color. Mm-hmm. And in that instance you know if you're if you're in darker water would you want maybe a, a bait that has more movement you know like a uh oh gosh my mind just went blank the, like a hey, tail no you're no you're on it yeah. you're on it that's actually small ribs you know that that catch water under the water mm-hmm. that way the fish can can use their lateral line to feed you know dirty water fish use their lateral line probably just as much more as their eyeballs yeah and and on you know going back to to me saying shape and size in in my opinion that matters more is you know i talked about match the hatch and you just really got to pay attention to your shad size Mm. and there again i guess you could just go catch some shad or at the end of the day you clean fish and you're, you're lucky enough to get one that they hadn't digested yet you can see the pretty much exactly what size they're they're eating naturally. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, for color, I, I won't. I don't like that subject because <laughs> I. It's so circumstantial, mm-hmm. and I, I hear people talk so confident about this color or that color, and and I don't know. It, it's day to day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did well. Yeah, I mean, us fishermen get caught up on using a pink jig head over a sartreuse one or an orange one just because we had success. And, and I'm, I do it all the time. You know, if they've been hitting a pink, pink jig head with black and pink, shoot, that's all I'm gonna hold. You know, I'm not gonna try anything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it. You get confidence in a bait. It's pretty much the truth. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, I got another question, and this one kind of has two parts, and this is kind of more to benefit the listener. Um, if you could only have one rod set up, what would it be? And then the second part is if you could have two rod setups. And I'm kind of doing this for people who have, uh, you know, different financial obligations. Um, and you don't necessarily have to get specific with a brand, but, you know, describe the type of rod. If you could only have one rod, what would it be? And if you got two, what would it be? Or they be? Okay, that's a good question because a lot of people fish from the boat, but just as many people fish from the bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I were to have two rods, one of them for sure would be a 10-foot rod, any brand. Um, they, all, they all catch fish. Um, and then my second choice would be a 7-foot uh, spinning reel. Mm-hmm. And that way I would have the ability to cast off the boat or off the bank. You know, if you're fishing off the bank, obviously you're going to be fishing with flip bobbers. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're and they're going to cast on a on a spinning reel, 
you know, better than a bait caster that would backlash or whatnot. Right, right. And what kind of, would you like lighter action, medium? What about that? Yeah, I, I do a medium light. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I do a medium light, you know, just in case you're doing any cast and dragon, mm-hmm. you know, in, in clear water off of a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, you want that light action so you can feel that little tick. Gotcha, gotcha. And you may have said it, maybe I didn't catch it, but if you only got one rod, what would you what would you have? After, I mean, for me, being being fishing off of a boat, it would it'd be a ten foot rod. Gotcha. Okay. Alrighty. Um, yeah. Next question. This is and pretty... something else when you when you talk about a bite, just real quick, because it's just going through my mind. Fishing with with you know a lot of different people, and and I learn off I learn off my clients more than you would ever know. I mean, people show me stuff all the time. And I'm like, wow, I'd have never figured that out, but. When you're talking about a bite, and let's say you're you're new to crappie fishing, and you know you don't really know what a bite is, I, I hear all the time in my boat, even if I'm guiding, like, you know, like, oh, I got a bite. Well, and especially in crappie fishing, like I mentioned, they don't have hands. <laughs> so if you feel anything, I mean, just like a perch peck. I mean, if you feel anything, it's in his mouth, and every millisecond you don't jerk you're probably not going to catch that fish. Hmm. Yeah, so that, that's one of the top things I explain when you when you get in my boat. Like, you know, we're going to have a great time, we're going to catch fish, but, but we're going to learn, you mm-hmm. know, and we're going to pick up on these little crappie fishing. Is, you know, is, is, it's a lot of little things you got to do right to catch crappie. Yeah, yeah. But when you feel, you know, when you feel anything, you, you just got to lift up because it, it's not like it ran up there and slapped it with its tail. It's, it's in his mouth mm-hmm. and that's a real quick that's another great question uh, as far as setting the hook you know are, are you doing a, a large mouth bass yanking as hard as you can are you flicking your wrist what are you doing no it, it's so fun to do that mm-hmm. but but no it's usually just the probably just the motion of the wrist mm-hmm. you know just or you can just lift your rod i mean people call crappie paper mouth all the time they have the thinnest mouth of just about any fish. Hmm. But it takes little to no pressure to set the hook. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, that about uh, does it for my questions. Uh, I'm going to open it up to you, though. Any any points that you think we missed or important topics you think we should cover? Nah, we missed a lot. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we didn't talk about point fishing. We didn't talk about current. We didn't talk about, oh, high water, low water. I don't know. There's... There's, the crappie fishing is such a a big subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's why I like it so much. It's mm-hmm. it's a figure it out by the by the day. Yeah. yeah. Even being a fishing guide, you think, well, man, that guy's out there all the time. He's, you know, he knows where they get their mail, you know, and all mm-hmm. this and that. And that's really not the truth. Um, a lot of times I'm having to figure it out as as I go. Yeah. But to me, that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. I mean. Like sand bass fishing, I think sand bass fishing is a blast. But that's more of a fish that you probably could know where to go and know what to do. I mean, once once you find them, the catching is on. Mm-hmm. You know, with crappie fishing, a lot of times you find them, you know, they're still not going to bite. Mm-hmm. Even in days like this when we have live scope, I mean, there's you can just put it right on their nose and 
times they're they're just not gonna bite. They're just, they're real they're real curious fish. Yeah. Well, we may have to call this the uh, the undergraduate course then, and maybe sometime we can have you back on to give the master's course. But you, uh, I tell you what, you blew me out of the water. I'm going to have to ice my neck tonight because I've just been sitting here nodding and uh, I'm and soaking up every word. So, um, right, yeah. Uh, well, and like I said, I'm I, I still I still learn stuff, you know, every all the time. Mm-hmm. I think you know, there's always there's always more to know. Mm-hmm. You might- just real quick, you know, just to, I guess, give my guide service a, a shout-out. My course. name's Dusty Keener. My dad's name's Dennis Keener. We're findable. You know, you can get on the Internet and type up, you know, DNK Guide Service. We're going to pop up. Um, my number is 918-470-7133. My dad's number is 918-470-6422. And uh, we actually, something I didn't talk about is we have the ability to do group trips. Mm-hmm. So there's four people max on my boat and four people max on, you know, my father's boat. We run 21-foot uh, bass boats. And a lot of times our group trips even extend into 8, 12, 16 people. So we're actually, we're actually networked with many guys in Lake Eufaula. So, you know, sometimes we do weddings and them, you know, big groups. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. So that's cool. Awesome. And you guys have a website. If you want to uh, throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. It's dnk dnkguideservice.com. Okay. And uh, you know, you might have one more uh, learning opportunity coming up. You might be able to go ice fishing here in a couple of days. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I've never fished out of a shanty, but. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe it's time I need to start building one. I don't know. Yep. Golly. Yep. And it'll be, uh, when this podcast comes out, like I said, a lot of the weather will have already happened or be right in the, in the heart of it. So I'm, I'm curious to see what all happens, but, but anyway, uh, Dusty, you have been just awesome. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on sometime. Um, any, any final words? No, no, I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, to be able to do this with you, and and uh, I just I had a blast, and I appreciate the platform. Anytime, anytime. All right, thanks for coming on. All right, thank you, John. See you. How about that? Man, incredible job, Dusty. I really enjoyed that. I hope you guys did, too. Please give him a call and go fishing with him, because it's very obvious he knows what he's talking about. Uh, if you're in the Lake Eufaula area or really anywhere, you know, Oklahoma's not that big, get out there and call them up and go fishing. And I hope you guys also learned some stuff that you can take out on the water yourselves. Uh, I know I sure did. You know, selfishly, that's part of the reason I wanted to do this interview is because I've been trying to get into crappie fishing. And it's just something I've never really done before, but it, it interests me. And talking to him gave me a lot of confidence to get out there and try to do some of this stuff myself. And so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I sure did. Um, I want to thank Dusty one last time. And also, man, be please, please be praying for all the truck drivers, all the first responders, uh, all the the cops and the hospitals with all this weather. Um, man, it's it's just rough out there. So I hope everybody out there is being safe. Please be careful. Stay inside if you can. And until next week, I hope you guys have a good one. Get ready to go out there and catch some fish, and I will see you guys later. 